0: Romans are done for us Hello and thanks for joining me. I think I should start with a little disclaimer and say that the fall of Troy podcasts I'm doing are specifically linked to the BBC show currently being aired and to be released on Netflix at some point in the near future. The reason for this is that I've had a few nice responses but some a bit puzzled as to what all of this is, which is generally a fair comment. It seems that the show is only being shown in the UK at the moment, Uh, though if someone can verify if it's been shown elsewhere, I'd be grateful. If you're overseas, well, feel free to listen to this, or keep it in mind for when you watch the show. On to episode two then. (laughs) Before we get to the point which I scribbled down whilst enjoying a few whiskies, purely medicinal as I have the makings of a nasty cold, I could see that the show was getting some positivity from the sphere. Again I follow the hashtag Troy Fall of a City, and I think the episode won a few folk round. Though there were some dissenting voices and perhaps many gave up after the first episode but I did feel the show would gain more traction, mainly because of the prospect of gore and the controversy over the Infigenia scene. Early on it won plus points for me with a story about how Odysseus was recruited. The mythical version of this involved an Odysseus who was reluctant to join the Greeks. When Menelaus and Agamemnon arrived at Ithaca they found him feigning madness and ploughing a field the way you do. To test him they grabbed the baby Telemachus and put him in front of the advancing Odysseus. Needless to say he snatched the child up rather than have the ploughing team run it over and therefore he revealed his sanity. In the episode though Telemachus was replaced by another baby. Uh, whilst Telemachus himself was a a young man or a young boy. I did think that was a bit odd, really, because why exactly was that? They could have just had the baby and called him Telemachus. But anyway, I I really like the fact that they had that myth in there. The leverage which Agamemnon and Menelaus have over the other Greek leaders is ironically due to Odysseus, because you might wonder why do they just turn up and say, join us, and the other Greek leaders do. To understand this, we need to go back a bit When Helen had been courted by all of her suitors, her foster father had been a bit worried about what would happen when she made a choice. Whomever she chose, there would be a few, well, a lot, of very bruised egos sat around the palace. Throw in some wine and you've got a very nasty riot about to occur. Odysseus came up with the idea to make all of the suitors swear an oath defending the marriage and respecting it before the decision was made. But it wasn't just Odysseus who had tried to get out of travelling to Troy. Achilles, according to one myth, was sent to live with Lycomedes, King of Skyros and he spent his time in the palace dressed as a girl. When the Greeks came for him they were unable to pick him out from the young girls of the court which itself raises a few questions. To try and help trap Achilles they formed a plan which involved setting a collection of jewels and clothes in the middle of the room but also a shield and a spear. A trumpet then sounded outside the room giving a call to arms. Whilst the other girls focused on the jewel and the clothes, Achilles made himself known by grabbing the spear and the shield and leaping forward. I should mention that this is just one myth. Another one says that Achilles was recruited when the Greeks visited his father and he sent the 15 year old son to Troy with no tricks or dressing up needed. Whilst Odysseus might have saved his son at the cost of joining the expedition, another father was to lose his child in order to join it. See what I did there? And this was the talking point of the episode and by talking point, I mean bit most compared and contrasted to Game of Thrones. In order to gain favorable wins to Troy, Agamemnon is required to sacrifice his daughter in Phygenea. It's not abundantly clear why this is demanded. Some myths point to Agamemnon accidentally killing a sacred deer of Artemis. But then, when have the Greek gods ever really seemed rational? This part of the story is also hugely significant, because it initiates the revenge which will befall on Agamemnon when he returns. I'll leave it there in case it ends up being a spoiler, as I get the feeling that they'll probably have the ramifications of what happened after Troy in the final episode or final episodes. It, however, does settle that age-old question. Did they have Don't Tell the Bride in Ancient Greece? And more specifically, if they had Don't Tell the Bride in Ancient Greece, what would the tragic version be of the episode where they went to Vegas? Let's not pretend you don't know what I'm talking about. You might be glad to hear that in some versions of the myth, Artemis replaces Inverginaia with a deer or other animal at the last moment, a parent being asked to sacrifice their child only to have it stalled at the critical point. I'm pretty sure i heard something about that in religious studies at school. Agamemnon's decision allows some investigation of his character. He's arrogant, but also has some realisation of what he's done. The embassy scenes neatly touched on the commercial angle of the war. If the Trojan War is based on a real event, it's most likely due to the favourable position Troy enjoyed on several trade routes. The Greek demands may well have been a nod to this. But it wasn't just Agamemnon who was having a moment of self-reflection. Amidst the soft furnishings, Helen was starting to appreciate what was about to happen. It's somewhat unfair to blame Helen. She was offered as an unwitting prize to Paris after he awarded the golden apple to Aphrodite. She seems to get a lot the blame and I don't think it's always that fair. Aphrodite herself wasn't absent from the episode and appeared along with a few other gods. The way they've been handled is very much starting to grow on me. Take the blessing scene, where the different gods strut between the soldiers at whichever side they've chosen. It was very effective. The Greek gods, particularly in the Iliad, aren't overly bothered with the humans they are playing with. To quote Tim Wittermarsh from his book Battling the Gods, Atheism in the Ancient World, the gods of the Iliad seem strikingly uninterested in human morality, and I think this seems to be the way they are being presented to us. The exchange between Hera and Zeus, accompanied by a vulture, did have the whiff of the bickering couple you are stuck behind at the checkout, but there was a nice in-joke. As Hera pleaded for Zeus to join her side, she states that Aphrodite bought Paris with flesh. Zeus responds, reminding her that she wasn't really above that sort of thing. This might refer to the incident in Book 14 of the Iliad, where Hera seduces Zeus to keep him distracted from noticing Poseidon, who is busy interfering on the side of the Greeks. The gods then are nicely entwined in the war, but at the same time very distant from people involved in it. I hope that they are able to maintain this throughout the series. The assembling of the armies didn't just let the gods walk their walk. Agamemnon was certainly talking the talk, even if the talk considered repeating, are you with me? Not exactly the most inspirational speech I've heard. Ajax made a brief cameo with what seemed like a massive war hammer, which is a shame, as I always remembered him as possessing a massive shield. More curious still was a snake which was weaving between soldiers. I did wonder about this and managed to stumble upon one account of another Ajax in the Greek army, Ajax the Lesser, or Locrian Ajax, who reportedly had a tame snake which followed him around, though it's not mentioned in Iliad from what I can remember. The fight scene which followed was short but brutal. This attracted some criticism for not being grand enough. Either the BBC isn't trying to compete with Game of Thrones, or it's simply holding it back. But really the fight scenes were to establish that this is all very real, and the time for talking was well and truly over. The time for talking was certainly over, pun intended, for one Trojan who had a spear thrown by Achilles, hit the back of his neck and exit via his mouth, resulting in a suitably gurgly death. The Trojan had himself hit a Greek in the back with a spear, whilst the Greek was retreating. And I suspect here was a reminder to us all that Achilles is very much one with a heroic code, a kind of pre-chivalry. Anyone who has read the Iliad will recognise the highly descriptive deaths. Ian Johnson of Vancouver Island University listed all the ways Trojans and Greeks died in the Iliad. And according to this list, 19 individuals are killed from spear thrusts or thro- spear throws to the neck, head, cheek, and ouch, even ear. In looking at these, I have found one death, which is as close to a match as I could get. In book 5, Meges kills phileides with a spear, which hits him, much like Achilles did in the show, at the back of the neck. The point clove through his tongue's root and against his teeth. Biting cold bronze, he fell into the dust. Not quite a hallmark moment, but the battle description is where Homer seems to really relish detail. I also wonder if any poet telling this part was trying to catch the eye of that person in the audience who was talking a bit too much. But let's leave on a happy point, not a spear point. There were no ostriches this time, but I did see a vulture, and even better, Kino the dog, who belongs to Xanthius, one of Odysseus' men. This episode seems to have rallied some interest, and I hope the next one will really sustain this. I'll be watching on Saturday and following the hashtag TroyFallOfACity on Twitter. If you want to have something mentioned, tweet me at AncientBlogger. But just two more things. I need to always plug my website, AncientBlogger.com, and if you're listening to this on iTunes, please leave a review if you liked it. And even if you didn't, it really helps, and it's great to have some feedback. Till the next podcast, take care and keep safe. me! In for me! They've all got it in for me!